He struts like John Wayne, resembles Jim Carrey, and dresses like he's visually impaired. Because he is Insight. Insight with Mark Farrell on the Progressive Radio Network. 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 Ah, yes. What a gorgeous day, my friends. How are you? What a great day it is in the tri-state area. Hopefully it is wherever you are in the world. Of course, this is Insight on the Progressive Radio Network. My name is Mark Farrell. Thanks so much for starting your Thursday with me. Yes, I know it's not the crack of dawn. It's 11 a.m. Eastern time. But anyway, I appreciate your time as always. And things are really heating up here in New York City. The mayoral race is just like a free-for-all. So many candidates running. Everybody wants Bill de Blasio out, including myself. Anyway, uh, lots of craziness in the world, though, of course. Uh, Unfortunate that the Israeli and Palestinian crisis is just heating up and spilling and boiling over. I, I just don't know how this can be rectified. It's just appalling, and it makes me sad when any human life is ended or maimed and people are just suffering and scared and it's just complete complete disaster anyway you're gonna meet a guest today christina sarney she's a tremendous spirit she's done so much in her life and she has just begun on touching souls and you're gonna meet her and you're gonna realize how special she is how much she's overcome in life and we're gonna have a long conversation with her that actually i recorded the other day so I don't have a lot of time to riff today about a lot of different topics that I was interested in covering. But the first and foremost topic I want to just get to is how the mass mandate has been relaxed. It feels so good, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yes. I feel good being able to walk around outside, especially the coach of a soccer team, wearing a mask on the sidelines, trying to articulate commands and instruction and direction from afar wearing a mask is just yeah do i get the job done yes it's just not comfortable and of course this is not about being comfortable the last year and a half it's about being safe and getting done whatever you need to accomplish in life and that's what we've done but thankfully things are uh, looking a little bit more right side up i'd like to see i, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here i'd like to see things not let up so quickly though because we don't want any variants like the whole yankee situation this is really weird how all these guys have been inoculated vaccinated and of course they're professional athletes they're commodities of the new york yankees so they're worth a lot of money so they still get tested and they're positive so that leads me to think about how many other people who are vaccinated who are also positive without symptoms are out there I bet you a lot, because why would they need to be tested? Because they got vaccinated and they don't think that they would be positive. And why would you? So I think there's, I don't know, I'm just kind of suspicious and or very cautious about, you know, what could be around the corner. I don't think we're entirely through the woods just yet. Fingers crossed, though, my friends, fingers crossed, because oh man, we don't want a repeat of anything that we've experienced in the last year and a half. So let's get to my conversation with Christina Sarney, a.k.a. Bunny. She's just a tremendous person. And uh, it's kind of neat because we were actually traveling in the same circles, as you'll hear, for a while before we really got to know what each of us were experiencing in life and how we applied it. 
Christina C. Bunny Sorny, it is such a pleasure to finally have you on the show. Yay! Thank you for having me. <laughs> you are so full of life. We have been traveling in the same circles for years, mm -hmm. uh, working together, which I believe probably was around 2012, maybe starting at a gym. <laughs> we were both trainers there, and we didn't realize how much we had in common. Yes. First and foremost, we both have invisible disabilities. I love how you put it, invisible disability, because as soon as we tell people that aspect of ourselves, they get so surprised because we, we just carry ourselves like, like nothing pulled us back. I, well, I was shocked when you told me about you. I'm like, dude. <laughs> I never knew that you were hearing impaired. Uh, well, we didn't have lengthy conversations, so it was always like, hey, how are you? <laughs> and then when it was revealed that you are a motivational speaker, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Because obviously the listeners here on Insight know that I'm also a motivational speaker. But more importantly, you know, I tell people, and this belongs to you as well, this title, you are in the improving lives business. Amen. <laughs> And what made you go this route? So I um I spent a lifetime being a performer and I've always been to myself being on stage, that's how I'm sharing my story. But um now that's that I'm getting answer. older, my performance opportunities are coming a little bit slimmer. And I think it's time for me to not hide behind the mask and become verbal about my story because I'm actually very self-conscious about my voice. People have made rude comments about my voice, made fun of my voice. Even people just naively saying, oh, I could tell you you're hearing impaired because of the sound of your voice. And they don't get like, while you're just trying to make conversation with me, that's very offensive to me because that means you're not paying attention to what I'm saying. You're paying attention to the sound of my voice. And this is, I think it's one of those big final obstacles that I want to overcome. But I'm doing this for that fourth grade hearing impaired girl sitting by herself with nobody to look up to. Because me growing up, there was just only, there was only deaf icons, deaf performers. There was no hard of hearing performers. Being hard of hearing is very complicated. Um, you have one foot in the deaf world and one foot in the hearing world. And people think it's like, uh, for the most part, I know you're a different story, but when you put glasses on, you know, your vision is automatically 20-20. No, when I put my hearing aid on, it just amplifies some sound and I still have to survive in the world of communication. And I just think it's time for me to stop being quiet and being verbal and telling people that regardless of your disability, you can still be a rock star. And you are. And I think there are so many parallels because it's not apparent that you're hearing impaired. It's not apparent that I'm visually impaired because I don't walk into walls. I can drive a car with <laughs> telescopes on my glasses. These are just magnifiers. I'm still very, very blind with these on. But the reality is we put those aside. They don't hold us back. And more importantly, talk about how Michael Jackson basically gave you a start, a second start in life. Oh my God, I love it. So the... Because of Michael Jackson, it inspired me to dance. The first time I ever saw Michael Jackson do Billie Jean on the TV, Thriller, I watched the Thriller video like so many times when I was five years old, but I had to like run out whenever the werewolf part came up. That was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that was so inspiring to me is that often Michael Jackson is 
so shy. He does have mental health issues, everything. But you wouldn't know that as soon as he performed. Like, all Michael Jackson has to do on the stage is flip his jacket back, and everybody's like, ah. Oh. Like, all it takes is body language, confidence. You don't have to talk. You don't have to hear. You're just performing. And I became in love with it. And throughout middle school, I was just known as it, the human pair girl. I have all these names. But the second I performed, people recognized me as something else, and I got hooked on that. So uh, Michael Jackson has been a huge inspiration to me to know that I can definitely go down that route as well. And that's exactly what happened. You had your shot to perform in middle school. What was the opportunity, and how did it solidify your future? So actually, um, I wear many hats, by the way. Um, I started out playing, although I was dancing when I was younger, my mom got me involved with playing the drums. Um, because the Miss America at the time, Heather Whitestone, uh, was 100% deaf, and she was a dancer. And people were like, how do you dance? And she said, I feel the beat of the drums. And like, by the grace of God, my mom's like, you know, why don't we try you in drum lessons? And I, so it turned out I had a natural knack for it, and I joined the school band, and it was the, the first concert that we had. And it was just like, I could hear the applaud after it. It, was, it had to be that loud for me to hear and I got hooked on that. And the great thing about me playing the drums is that it built a foundation for me to dance because when I'm going to dance classes and audition, I learn not to hear people. I learn just to follow that drum beat and music. So I love Billie Jean. That's just straight drumming. I love house music, a hip hop. It's all about hard hitting drums and bass. So that, that created the foundation for the rest of my life. <laughs> So did you feel that you had a new purpose after you were in front of your peers in school, in middle school, and here they are applauding for you after 100%. they were bullying you and after you felt undermined? Yes, 100%. And I started to learn that, you know, I was, I felt so defeated and weak being the human pig girl, but with performing, I was able to be the first girl drummer of the band in high school. I... I beat out seniors for the, the section leader part. It really like, wow, like, this, is, this feels like a superpower. Like, I could, regardless of my hearing or my disability, with this talent I have, I could show people I'm more than my disability. I'm larger than the label that you put on me. Now, you were diagnosed at a very young age at three. That's a very crucial time to formulate words and speech and diction. So obviously it took a big toll on you, but having that outlet must have meant everything for you. A hundred percent. And it got to the, it, it's kind of a catch 22. It's a, it's a great outlet, but I started to identify myself with just being a performer. Like I hated being Christina because to me at the time, Christina means a girl with a lot of hurt, a lot of pain a lot of traumatizing events and nobody wants to talk to Christina. But as soon as I was the performer, it was like, hey, like, good job. And, um, you know, and it's great to be praised for your talent, but I just got so caught up in being Christina, the performer, and Sea Bunny, my stage name, that I neglect the actual emotional trauma of what Christina off stage was going through. So be careful with that, guys. <laughs> Make sure it's an outlet, but it doesn't completely take over your life. How long did it take for you to realize that, see, Bunny, that that persona that you were creating was something that was a good place to kind of hide in 
Yes. But you had to realize that you had to step out of that shadow and be Christina Sarney. I mean, to be honest, it's, um, I am 35 now. I think I realized that when I was uh, 34. It's it <laughs> a long trip. And that's what people don't, people don't get. Like, I may be positive. And so anybody that's positive on social media, I said, we're positive, but we, we're, there's always a battle. And uh, so that's what's just interesting to me. Um, I just feel like, you know, people, you can't just get happy overnight. You have to, it takes, it takes a lot of skill building for that. Positive. Doesn't know that I came a long way. From yes, you have. Yes, you have. And also being positive doesn't mean you don't have struggles. No, no. It's, so here's, so here's the key with I've learned with my mental. I, I've been suppressed. I almost, um, you know, I came close to suicide. Like I, I came across a lot of life stuff. The thing that I realize now that really separates me from who Christina was is that when things get rough, like it's okay to have a bad day. I know that even when I hit rock bottom, I know I'm gonna get back up. It's called the comeback. I was a professional wrestler for several years and every part of the match, they the bad guys beating you up, beating you up and you're down. And all it takes is that one, one ounce of hope and you bring them back up. There's always going to be a comeback in life. Absolutely. Just get through the process. And you bring up a good point because I want to get to your wrestling career, but you know, having depression and mental illness and being in a ring are very similar. Yes. Except with the opponent, you can see them. Yes. And you can hopefully have the match over quickly. But yes. with that <laughs> mental illness, obviously it's a another invisible disability. It can be crippling. I lost my brother who died by suicide. I've gone through massive depression, anxiety, panic attacks. I have my coping skills. Uh, most days I'm cool. And even when I'm not, you wouldn't know it because I've have, just like I'm sure you do and many listeners, tools in our box that help yeah. us strategize and focus and you know exercise, which we'll get to, is a huge game changer for me yeah. for many, many reasons. But talk about... Um, not only did you get your name C Bunny from your mother calling you uh, Christina Bunny uh, and being a bunny at Great Adventure, a theme park, but talk about your segue from being a dancer, um, someone who dealt with mental illness, and also how you kind of just kind of segued into greater things, being a DJ being a professional wrestler and we're going to get to some other jobs and also the training industry where you actually are next to somebody physically changing someone's life yes awesome can be a long one sorry <laughs> <laughs> sorry you can abbreviate so, so um obviously my mom used to call me christina bunny when i was little so that was just always a cute nickname and then um when i was about like i, I don't know 18 19 i was um Bugs Bunny at Six Flags Great Adventure. So I was a costume character. That was one of my first jobs, which was great because it taught it taught me even more how body language is very important. And I love any communication that I had to do without talking. Did I you, I'm like automatic. And did you feel um, that, that, that what? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you feel <laughs> that was a, a great outlet for you to not be anyone besides a bunny and to have a great disguise? 100% because what, as soon as you put the mask on, there are no rules. But the same thing happened was I fell in love with being a costume character and I actually like had dreams. I wanted to go to Disney World and be Mickey Mouse. But I got tired of that I was putting the effort into this. It sounds silly, 
but nobody was knowing that it was Christina doing it. They just see that's the character. So eventually I, I landed a job um, outside the costume character, being both a dancer and a drummer in a, in a stomp-like show. And that's when I really felt comfortable with whom I am. And I was like a rock star at that show. I was running up to the audience, putting my hands to my ears. People don't know, I just didn't really hear them, but they're cheering. I would jump off the stage. I became so addicted to the adrenaline rush and I love dance. And I'm like, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. Went to New York City for auditions, classes, um, a lot of auditions, a lot of like, we'll call you back. I ended up getting a job working for a Grammy Award winning artist, T-Pain. And that was, I mm. um, actually would love to share this story with you. So T-Pain wanted to use real dancers, street dancers. He didn't want to call an agency. So he set up a improv audition. You had to send a video to him, just freestyling. And he ended up taking 20 people all over the country, flew us to Miami. This was a little nerve wracking because social media wasn't like, I pop in then, so I didn't know if it was legit, but there was somebody there to pick me up. We met T-Pain, we auditioned for him for two days. The last day we had to freestyle for him by ourselves to music we never heard because he made it. So now this is difficult for me. I'm in a garage, there's sound bouncing all over the place. I don't know the music, I don't know what to do, but I'm like, you know what? I don't know what I'm gonna do. And then T-Pain said this, I want you guys to step outside of the box, create your own box and show me who you are. And that just clicked with me. So the music starts hitting and I felt by the grace of God, I'm gonna dance in the glory of you and show you, show who everybody I am despite my disability. So I, I kind of do a little dance. I go up to T-Pain, I take my hearing aid out and I put it on the desk before him. Now I really don't understand much what's going on. And there's a giant speaker. I put my ear to the speaker. I just get the count for the, the drum beat. And I just started freestyling. And in the corner of my eye, I see people up on their feet. This was like mind blowing because you don't want me to have your job. Why are you sharing for me? But afterwards, we all hug each other. Cause we all realize through performing, it helped us get us beyond feeling like an outcast and a misfit. And um, at the end of the audition, and that was the dance that I truly believe I was born for, to share my gift with everybody. And uh, he ended up picking two girls to fill the spot. And I was like, you know what? I had fun. And all of a sudden, T-Pain's like, yo, T-Bunny, get on up here. He made a spot just for me because I showed him who I was. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. How did that make you feel, Christina? It was awesome. And it, it, um, it is featured in the documentary that we'll, that we'll talk about. Um, and then based on what you just said to me, the question you asked me, I got to do a couple of music videos, toys, and like, you know, some stuff with him. Um, but then half of us had to get cut. It's, it's the entertainment industry. The things always change. And I was upset about that. But because I was home, I got to go on an audition for Paula Abdul on Live to Dance. I got a spot on that. I didn't get to make it to the Las Vegas round, but I got my, sh my story shared because my story was on TV. I got to go into schools and share my story and share the video. Like, hey, even though we, we feel like we don't fit in, fit in now, this could be us. Um, every aspect of my life being drummer, dancer, bikini competitor, professional wrestler, it all created a foundation for the next. 
Because I wouldn't be able to do the first, I wouldn't be able to do what I can now if I never touched those drumsticks, if I never saw Michael Jackson on TV. You are just a chameleon. Oh, I, that's the first time I ever heard that. I like that. <laughs> a chameleon. You have so many different sides to you, but they all rotate around the nucleus of just the core of who you are. Just this ball of the essence of Christina Sarni, who wants to show the world that I'm different, has no bounds. Yeah. Not at all. And, and that's amazing. just amazing that you were able to just take your skill set that you crafted for many, yeah. many years on oh. the dance floor. People don't think, you know, oh, you just go on. No, it's all the countless hours and years oh. dancing and dancing, knowing the music, feeling the music, uh, playing the drums. And eventually that led you to become a motivational speaker. But uh, that highlight that you just shared with T-Pain, I'm sure besides the Michael Jackson aspect. I mean, that must be the second biggest highlight, right? T Pain. Yes, it's uh, and because it, it's unreal. Like you, we back then they played you know music video and MTV, but it was just unreal. Just being like, wow, I finally, I'm finally having that like that audition that every performer wants that like built to them, and um, it was it really means a lot to me that um, uh, when people stood up on their feet, that they weren't just watching an audition. They were they were seeing my story and that's what inspired me. I don't want to let my story stay in the box. I want everybody to see it. And again, I want people that are in middle school that are struggling, that have nobody to look up to, to have a visual aspect, it's going to be okay. Absolutely. And yep. people are like, how do you do all this? The, the main thing in my life, especially with suffering with depression, you need to have a goal. If you set a goal and just folk, try to focus on that, that's going to keep you motivated. That's going to try and help you get up out of, out of bed when you're having that hard day. It's very important to set small attainable goals yep. to keep you motivated and you want to have fun in your life. Christina Sarni is my guest. My name is Mark Fowler. The show is Insight on the Progressive Radio Network. Touch back on your mental illness. What works for you when you have bouts of depression? Ooh, that's, well, that's not a clear cut answer. <laughs> <laughs> a multitude so, of I, things. I mean, it's when I got my bouts of depression again, I, it took me a long time to realize this, but to understand that what I'm feeling now is just temporarily. I have a huge relationship and understand I'm saying relationship, not religion with God. Like whatever your positive outlet is, having a relationship and understanding that he's going to, I'm not saying like the, the, the battles I go through is better with Jesus in my life. So that's a big aspect. Um, I, I'm not telling people just to go straight to Jesus. It's, um, um, you have Whatever to find works for you, Jesus. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, listen, I, Jesus is cool in my book. But um, so the relationship to that aspect, understanding that it is temporary and it's okay to have a bad day. And, that, and I, um, and again, just keep motivated that it, it all stems down to when I was in middle school and I was just daydream. I had nobody to talk to. Nobody, and because when people finally talked to me, I couldn't understand what they were saying. They couldn't understand what I was saying. The background noise in the school was terrible. My speech was not as good as today. And I was just daydreamed of all the things that I want to do when I get out of here. I, like, and I would just say to myself, you know what? One day I want to be in the newspaper. One day I want to be on the wall of fame at Millstone Middle School. One day I want to be on TV. And throughout 
to the point where I almost committed suicide two years ago. And I was filming this documentary and I watched all my accomplishments. I was like, it finally hit me. I did it. Like, what am I sad for? <laughs> well, those things, unfortunately, you can't change. I mean, it's the physiology of who you are. So did therapy work for you? Did medication, did all yes. these things, exercise? Yeah, so I did do, um, uh, I'm a big advocate for therapy. With medication, I was on medication. I understand that with medication, um, some I was on, when I was close to committing suicide, I went on medication. Medication saved, helped save me from going down that really dark path. And then it just didn't work for me anymore. And I withdraw off of that. So understand that medication, it's not bad. You just have to find the right dosage. And sometimes, and you don't have to be on it all the time. So through the combination of um, my relationship with Jesus, medication, therapy, and again, very, very important, which we talk about, is working on your physical, your physical self. I found losing weight and lifting, it's such a healthy outlet. Like when you're angry and you're doing a deadlift, it's some, there's just something therapeutic about it. Um, movement and, is medicine, I believe. Yes. Big time, movement is medicine, just like music is medicine. So uh -huh. let's talk about your relationship with the mat. What on earth made you segue from all the things that you were doing into wrestling, was there a great love? It doesn't surprise anybody. So not only did I watch Michael Jackson growing up, but I did, um, when I was in middle school, I got hooked on the WWF uh, Attitude Era. Uh -huh. It's the same concept. It's one man demanding the attention of the room. And like, I'm gonna be obvious in the most wrestling. My favorite part of the wrestling match is the entrance. So to hear people cheering your name and you walk in there and just, you're just a character. I it that's what got hooked, got me hooked. And with wrestling, again, it is nonverbal. We're telling a story with our bodies. I don't need my disability doesn't need to play a role in that. I can just communicate to you my emotions through my body. And with wrestling, it really it's a mixture of being athletic. Um, and it's a mixture of storytelling. So I just thought that was the perfect combination to me. And again, everything in my life creates a foundation. I just was, I was about to walk up to on stage to my bikini competition. I just lost like you know 40 pounds. And I look at my coaches and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go to wrestling school after this. Now I have the body to be a wrestler. So let's go. <laughs> Outstanding. What about the learning curve to become a wrestler? Oh my god. <laughs> about wrestling is that you have to take these bumps it hurt like people are like oh it's fake like that do, do we choreograph the move sorry for these wrestlers that are mad that i'm blowing a secret here we all we all know that deal here but the the impact of being thrown on that mat is real like i had about seven concussions in three years i had such a lot yeah i i probably ended up finally had to retire um because just the impact of the mat just into your head um, people accidentally hitting you hard. It's like stunt fighting, but a lot of error goes wrong. You have to work with each other. But what's interesting is, and again, it taught me a little bit about life, is that um, in the wrestling matches, again, I'm ruining it for this, but when you go to throw people to the rope, you'll call something in their ear, like, hey, drop down, hip toss. How am I supposed to hear that? So what we learned is called an Iggy. So... 
if they have my hand, we just do a squeeze, squeeze. And I know it's my turn to do the next move. And we do drills where they'll throw me to the ropes. And I have to tell by this or this, what move they're gonna do. So that taught me a lot in my life. Even still, if it's something that I can't do, there's a way to do it. It just might be a little bit different. And that's- well, It's okay. kind of cool that, yeah. you know, there's ways to adapt to many things in life. And whether you're inside the ring or outside the ring, I mean, life is one big battle. I mean, I hate to be cliche, but, you know, certainly yeah. there's so many great times, but, you know, as I alluded to before, there are so many things, whether it's enemies, problems, uh, medical uh, feats, everything that we encounter in life that are invisible. So it's kind of cool, though, that, you know, you have this undaunted spirit to try so many different things. Obviously, to be a dancer, that's in your blood. Uh, to be a drummer, obviously, a uh, very close relationship there because of frequencies. You can feel the almost, do you remember... Or have you ever heard of the artist called Evelyn Glennie? No, I thought you were gonna say Sheila E. But <laughs> Sheila E is amazing. Evelyn Glennie is a deaf percussionist. She's okay. world international. And I interviewed her at the uh, NJ Pack, and she Ooh. is just phenomenal. She stands on stage barefoot and she leads this huge orchestra. And it's just phenomenal with her percussion. But you are leading the orchestra, orchestra in your life because you have so many different things happening simultaneously, dancer, musician, former wrestler. And at what point did you say, I want to be a motivational speaker? Oh, always. But now with COVID, I think everybody has an eye opener with COVID. I figured that this, my time is now that I, um, I think we all need to learn that life is very, Life is scarce, life is fragile. We don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. And um, especially now with kids' mental health being on the decline because they, they can't be involved with each other. I, um, I recently got terminated from one of my jobs and I just trying to adapt to society because we have a mask mandate and with the mask mandate, it takes away lip reading. I don't, I'm not a victim. I don't believe and I, I, I believe no matter what I can do any job. But unfortunately, if there's not proper accommodation provided by law, it's hard for me to give me 100%. And I just got tired of trying to conform to society. And I'm like, you know what? God has a plan for me. Not every goal we have a plan is going to be easy to accomplish. And I'm like, you know what? This is, this is time. This is my time to go full force and to share my story. And especially now that I have a documentary, um, out, I think that's going to be even a better visual tool to show people. So it's, it's time to get to it. <laughs> when you were in that job for half a year or so, um, it was a very physical job. You're out in the elements and yes. you didn't have the proper combinations. Yeah. Did you feel uh, at any point, probably not because you had so much life experience of being a trainer, being someone who succeeded in front of people, did you get down about the possibility of having to work in uh, mainstream America where sometimes accommodations aren't upheld yes. and that could be your future. If, yeah, if I, if, it's very scary because the thing that got me depressed is that I know I'm capable of doing these things. I'm capable of accomplishing things, but if you, and I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a baby asking for things. And this always brought me back to my conversation with Paula Abdul, 
when I performed for her on TV, I Your had name dropping now. Yes, <laughs> but no, this is very important. She changed my. She really inspired me because she said, "Christina, how did you do on the stage?" And I said, "You know, I had trouble hearing." And she flat out said, "Christina, next time, see Bunny. Say see Bunny. Next time, say stop. I can't hear the music." And me, I'm always thinking, no, I have to be like everybody else. And she said, no, it is your right as a person with a disability to say, hey, I can't stop. Help me, like, help me hear the music. And that's what really, it shows me because I don't want, I don't want to sound like a victim when I'm saying, hey, can you just wear a clear mask? Um, and that's what makes me, it, I struggle with not being like everybody else at times. Like sometimes, and you can admit it, having a disability, it's hard. It's hard to sometimes always put a smiley face on. It's hard to constantly explain things the, the same thing all the time. It's hard to go through all the stereotypes. Um, but we, we're trying to show people we're just like you, and we're not less because we need certain accommodations. So it really hits me because I'm like, you know what? I know I'm capable of accomplishing anything that anybody does. Um, sometimes we just have to accept that it's the environment that is messing up and it's not you. But you need to be the one who recognizes what's wrong and to either try to fix it or to extricate yourself from that situation. Yeah. And when I got, when I got terminated, it, I finally realized, you know what, do I want to be with people that don't understand me? Do I want to be with people that's not going to accommodate you? This is not a, we get to the point now, like, yes, we need financial, we have to make things for our financial needs. But I'm more of an advocate, like, if my mental health is not going to be good by the end of the year, what's the point? We work so yeah. hard for our mental health to be up. It's so hard to maintain that. And as I mentioned to you before, this is great material for you as a motivational speaker because you didn't fail, they failed you. 100%. And, but we also have to understand, listen, that we... I, that I'm human too. I can understand in life that I make mistakes just mm -hmm. like everybody else. Sure. It's just overwhelming for people like you and I, because not only do we have to go through the real life stuff, we also have to go through the disability stuff. And sometimes it just gets hard to juggle. And that's why I feel like mental health is, is a big issue in the community with people with disability, because we're, I think we're tired. We just get tired sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, life is, it takes a lot of effort, mental 100%. energy, physical energy. And of course, when you have a disability, you know, as I say, nobody wants to have a disability in life, but it makes you more <laughs> resilient, makes you more tolerant, hopefully more empathetic. And you are a prime example of how courage and how intrepid your spirit is. And that is something you cannot teach people. It's a lived experience. And I think it just gets larger and larger as you get older and older in life because of your experiences. You know, you don't want to repeat mistakes, but you also don't want to repeat being in circumstances like your last job. I doubt you would ever repeat that again, but you can sense when something's coming down the road or a conversation with somebody who is lacking sensitivity or a waitress or a waiter that's ignorant about how come you sound like this or you can't yeah. hear me. Why don't you write things down? Very insensitive nature like that. But that's actually a, a great reason why you made your documentary, Being Sea Bunny. Tell us about the genesis of that, please. Awesome. So um, during my wrestling school, this, um, it was based out of New York. Um, a director, a screenwriter, was working on a wrestling film. And 
he came into our, uh, our school just to do some research and he saw me getting ready and he saw me, I have to tape my hearing aid to my ear because it goes flying through the mask. Very terrifying when you think you lose your hearing aids in the middle of the mask. Very costly. Um, yeah, oh my, oh my God, it's so terrifying. It's, it's really expensive too. But um, he, I said, I was the only one that really went up to him and shook his hand and I said, hi. And he saw me with the hearing aid thing and we just started like talking and having conversations. And um, he hit me up on social media and he said, hey, I would love to do a story on you. And I thought this was just going to be like a one day shoot and we'll just put it up on YouTube. Now, like, and it, it touched my heart so much. Um, he decided to do a, like a full 15 minute documentary on it. He drove to from New York to New Jersey to my old middle school to watch me work out with my with my dad and my sister, Peter Stoney, Finnick and John. And, uh, and I and it took about six months of editing. And when it, he finally showed me the story. I was like, oh my God, this is this is so amazing. And he decided to put it in a film festival in Florida. So on his own dime, he made this entire film. We flew to Florida and we ended up in our first film festival. We won most inspirational. And that means a lot to me because they said to me, see bunny, we didn't even have a category most inspirational. But once we saw your film, we had to make a category most inspirational. I, I know. Are you <laughs> kidding me? It, but it's so nerve-wracking. That is I'm amazing. And they're watching my life. And I'm like, if they don't like it, I mean, they don't like my life. <laughs> so um, this is how funny the world is. You lost a job because you couldn't fit in. And yeah. at another opportunity, they actually made a category for you. Yeah. Every step, every step back is a setup for a comeback. We just have to, very important in mental health, we just have to understand that when we're down, it, we just got to go through the motion. It, it sucks, but we just let it ride. That's why, that's why the phrase is, this too shall pass. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And incidentally, you also won for best short film being C-Bunny. Yes. And uh, in New York. And that was cool. It was like right outside of Madison Square Garden. Um, and so it just, it's, it's very rewarding for me to, for people to watch the film. Again, everything's just visual. And just to see my my challenge with it. The only thing that I would say with the film that is kind of like a catch-22, people will be like, oh, look, you, you turned out so great. I'm glad things worked out for you. And it's kind of like, no, like, it's still going. There's still a lot of battles. There's a lot more to accomplish. <laughs> How about this? You and I, we never get a day off on my disability. That's what people don't get. That's right. That's right. Never have a day no off. No applause button. No. <laughs> Your documentary but, is available on YouTube. Being yes, on YouTube, call them BNC Bunny. And um, if you don't want to go through YouTube, you can go to projectbootleg.com. Thank you very much, Tom Wilton, for uh, for your love and heart. And he really, um, he was such a great guy that I was able to be transparent and and trust him with my life to film and edit however he wanted to. And um, it was a, it was a very good, it was meant to be. So and I'm appreciative of him. Evidently. Nick Foley, the WWE Hall of Famer, did a whole video on how much he loved the film, said he's a C-Bunny guy, he put it on Twitter. Uh, like it was, it was awesome. Fantastic. To have like professional wrestlers that I look up to watch it, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You so deserve that, Christina. Thank you. That's amazing. And it's obvious that he has a huge heart and he has um, affinity for, you know, what you're doing and who you are. 
Thank you. Fantastic. So when you think about, you know, your short life at 35, you know, all the various projects and yes, you know, everyone's a work in progress and you want to carve out a bigger niche as a motivational speaker, you know, what is your number one driving force that pushes you out of bed every morning? I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be the girl who I was in middle school, just thinking about the things that I want to accomplish and not letting that happen. I, I feel like I, it's not, I don't know what the word is. I feel like I wasted so many time in my life being sad and being poor me instead of just being like, okay, you know, I feel upset, but I still have a goal too. So you have shed. I don't want to waste any more time anymore. We, our lives are very, very short. And if I, if I were to not to be here tomorrow, I, I, I just want to, I just want to have a, like a Jim Carrey said it one time. I just want to have this awesome box collection of everything that I did in my life. Um, so I, I don't want to waste any more time with being sad anymore. No more being the victim. No, and I'm up and that's, I don't, and you know what? I used to be, I used to have victim mentality. I used to be poor me and my, I had to thank my parents for it. My dad I'll be on the floor hysterically crying and my dad would be like, get up, get up. And I know that's hard for him to do that, but my dad has to be the strong man to just to get me up so I don't think I'm a victim. And my mom will put me in positions where the toughest thing, this sounds silly in middle school, the toughest thing my mom ever made me do was she dropped me off in front of a pizza place and she said, go inside by yourself and order I had to learn how to be, my parents problem how to get back up from tough situations and be independent. I don't want to be, if, even though we had disabilities, we're not victims and we can be independent and we need to get out of that mentality. Yeah, it's life different. <laughs> and that's a whole nother segment, you know, had, being a parent of a child with a disability has its whole wide web of challenges. Yes. I, I give you guys so much. I always said to my parents, like, I don't understand. I don't think I would be who I am today if I didn't have those two with their, with that foundation that they put on me to keep moving forward. And also another great thing that my parents does, they did not treat me different than anybody else, any of my siblings. That is huge. I mean, because yeah. uniformity um, shouldn't have you, yes, I'm sure they accommodate in certain ways so you could hear and understand what was taking place, but you really shouldn't be treated any differently than anyone else, just like no. I shouldn't. And that's why, that's why I love being home, because it yeah. it's the one place that I know that I'm not going to be the hearing impaired girl. To them, I'm just Chris. Like, even, even my family forget sometimes that I can't hear. They're calling my name from another room, and I'm like, that's like you're not listening. And I'm like, I can't hear. And I take that as a compliment when people forget that I don't hear. It I is. Christina Sarney, we're almost out of time, but quickly address how the hearing community is, is so vastly different than other communities. The deaf community is very territorial. Is that a good word? Oh, yes, yes. I would not fit in the deaf community. I had nice deaf friends, but I would never fit in, in the deaf community. Because you have hearing. So I have, and I use my voice. I'm not a I'm not voice. afraid to use my voice. And people will say, like, oh, as soon as I tell them I'm here to pay, they're like, oh, I know sign language. I'm like, 
I grew up in the, I know I'm part of human, but I grew up in the human world. I knew that I had to survive. So, and plus nobody knew sign language. So how, why am I going to learn be fluent in a language that, nobody, that I can't deal with anybody? Yes. I always tell people, you know, it's kind of like for me, my visions, it's bad, but I'm kind of in that gray area. If it was worse, I would be able to learn Braille, et cetera, and have other accommodations. And obviously if it was better, I would be better off. But same yeah. thing for you, but just talk quickly about how there is a sort of a, a double standard and or a hierarchy to the deaf world, which you are not part of. I, I feel like you can definitely relate to this. You're not blind enough and I'm not deaf enough. Exactly. So they don't understand that we, we don't apply to legit accommodation through the government because I'm not, the people I sign up for disability, I'm not deaf enough. Yes. And it's a strange thing that I know many, many people I've spoken to have a hard time articulating because it's such a weird culture almost. Okay. So, yeah. culture, it's like a subculture within a disability world. Does yeah. that resonate with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the, the deaf community, for the most part, they identify them as a culture. Um, they have the automatic, you know, honestly, if I was deaf, my life would be a lot easier. I would know sign language, deaf school, TTY, like that's it. And I feel like with the deaf community, they feel that if we want to articulate without voice, we don't match that culture. So it's a culture thing. But me, I'm like, no, it's not a culture. It's a disability and that's okay. And I think that, I think the deaf community, the way we're, we're talking about the deaf community can be synonymous with any other culture race. Not everybody thinks the same. Everybody, we're all individuals. And it's just unfortunate with the deaf community that I did go to a deaf school. Um, it was a public program that had a human impaired and deaf program, but I never felt like I fit in with them. I didn't sign. Um, and also they, somebody, to be honest, they said like, oh, like F the hearing people. I'm like, F the hearing people. So, <laughs> but I understand because there's a disconnect between the hearing and the deaf world of how we, it's a communication thing. Absolutely. You know, hearing people are not sure how to, I have a, I wear a mask that says I'm hearing impaired, I can't read your lips. Hearing people, they see that and they still don't know what to do. So I think it's a lack of, of education and compassion on both sides. And we need to divide that path. <laughs> well said. Is your hearing impairment equal on both sides? Yeah, I, I got these two blue hearing aids now and it's Bluetooth. So I can finally listen to my music through my hearing aids. <laughs> Perfect, because as a DJ, you rock parties. Yeah. You rock everyone's world. Tell me about what you love the most about making a room come alive. I I love the fact because with dancing, it makes us, dancing is what feelings look like and it makes us feel good. So the other night when I'm just putting on a song and especially now with COVID, we're all like, we all just want to live life. When I just see a girl putting up their drink, it makes me feel good to know that, that I made you feel good for that moment. It's an adrenaline. I'm sending my love and energy and positivity to you guys. And we're just forgetting about how hard life is. And it's important just to have fun. And I want to be the reason. It's a term in wrestling. It's called pop. Um, it's me to just get a reaction. I want to make sure every song I put on is going to make you pop in some way. Yeah, man. There's nothing like seeing a room come to life when the music you're playing just changes someone's perspective. 
Oh, absolutely. And there's like, I want to dance with somebody. But in my head, I'm thinking, I want to dance with Steve <laughs> and the camaraderie everybody's sharing and moving and bumping and having a great yeah. and also the music is loud i had my earphones it's finally i had trouble hearing something but it's great to know like in this industry it's okay to have loud music so i'm i'm loving that <laughs> Christina Sarney, all the best to you. You keep shining in every endeavor that you do. And I have no, no doubt that you're going to cross this nation, north and south, east and west, and impact people all over through your stories. Thank you. You're it's an so incredible nice to be on the show with you. I love it. We oh, finally. Back. You hey. set me up for my, one of my first speaking gigs, the Disability Parade. I had a blast of that. I'll never forget it. Thank you. From meeting in a gym to, you know, schools to bars and to in, in the ring, you just are a magnificent person. And I'm just so happy that everything's working out for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm very, I'm very proud to know that I came very close to not being here to now wake, just waking up in the morning and just feeling grateful for my life. So. And check out her website, beingcbunny.com. Being Bunny C stands for Christina, beingcbunny.com. Keep rocking, my dear. Thank you. Ah, uh, yes, right? She's a great force, Christina Sarney, known as C Bunny. Check out her website. And join me next week because there's going to be an incredible interview that I'm recording tomorrow with the founder of Shine Festival which is happening in Denver, Colorado in August. And this is a music festival with no barriers. It's for persons with disabilities. It's for able-bodied persons. It has no fees attached. Yes, major bands, great venue, and an executive director that you're going to love to meet. That's next week on Insight. Hey, my name's Mark Farah. Have a grand day. Gary Knowles next Keep living and laughing. Have a great day. Insight with Mark Farrell. Check out this and all Insight shows on the Insight page at prn.fm. prn.fm. Have Mark speak at your company, your kid's school or college. Mark speaks on critical topics that affect kids and adults everywhere, from anti-bullying, mental health, drugs and alcohol, to overcoming adversity. Visit markfarrellmotivation.com for more info. Insight, Thursday mornings at 11 on the Progressive Radio Network. Network.